Why don't you smile at someone and say, I know you've smiled and shaken hands, but the other person on the other side might be a bit lonely. <laughs> Thanks, team. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Just to clarify in regards to our annual general meeting, our AGM, um, the books at the uh, front door there have got names on them. So uh, please find your name. Just don't pick up any book. Is that cool? Just find your name and take that book. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're not a member and you wanted one, there's spare ones on the right-hand side with no names on the front. You can grab that. Is that cool? It's just that some years what's happened is uh, members have just picked up any book and and then someone comes to me and says, you haven't given me a book this year of reports. And I say, well, we did. But someone pinched it. <laughs> so anyway, is that cool just to save, save confusion? That'd be great. Hey, by the way, I just I realise that people on my right and left, the flags, you couldn't see your screen. I'm sorry about that. But if you realise you could look across to this one. Did you realise that? And you guys can look across to this one. Is that okay? You can't see that far? <laughs> well, we tried. But anyway, I know because I, I, we checked it all out. And when you stand up, you can't because of the flags. You couldn't. Anyway, it's all good. I'm sure you sang the song anyway. That was great worship this morning, wasn't it? Brilliant. I just love that song. Yeah. Thanks, team. I just love that song. You know, he's our way maker, promise keeper, miracle worker. Um, that is who he is. Amazing. Hey, amen. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word that is powerful. And we pray that you just deliver it to our hearts and we'd be incredible, open and receptive and vulnerable even to your presence and your Holy Spirit speaking to us today. If you agreed with that, amen. Amen. Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. A story that you would have read on possibly several occasions. And Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. And I want to read it to you, just these five verses. And it says, now it happened. Okay. There's a lot of things that happened in Jesus' life. And as they went, and Jesus, or that he entered a certain village. It was the village of Bethany, if you're wondering. Um, it was Jesus entering a, a certain woman, and they named the woman Martha, welcomed Jesus into a house or him into a house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Uh, and then Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Whenever Jesus repeats something, you know he's trying to get across a message. Um, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part that will be not taken away from her. Great story. You've read it before. I've preached on it in different times. But there is an incredible context in this story to what I believe is important for us to hear today. Some great context. And just putting a little bit of context around the story, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's Luke uh, chapter 10. There's only 16 chapters in Luke. And so Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, uh, quite literally uh, to die, uh, to die on a cross. But on the way, he stops in at Bethany, 52 kilometers from Jerusalem. And he meets up with a family, 
And uh, that family he'd kind of known uh, a little bit before because, of course, you may know Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. And if there's one thing we know about Lazarus, he, uh, he was dead and now he was alive because Jesus raised him from the dead. And so Jesus knew this family, but he, he stops in and Martha says to Jesus, come on, Jesus, have a meal with us before you get to one last meal with us before you go to Jerusalem or on the way to Jerusalem uh, and so she hosts him and she invites him in, okay? But you can see from this book, this, these passages, this, these five verses, Martha is busy. And can I say she's not only busy, she's bothered. And she is buried in things that she can see she's got to do. Have you ever felt like that? Busy, bothered, and buried in everything that seems to be in your day. I can certainly feel that way sometimes. I've got so many things to do. But then in contrast, her sister Mary, um, Mary, well, she's sitting at Jesus' feet and, and she's composed, she's calm, and she's clear-headed. And as she sits at Jesus' feet, she's enjoying just listening, along with other people, because it says in Scripture, Mary wasn't the only one there. Did you see that verse? It just says, and she also sat at Jesus' feet. So there was a little group of people sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus. There was one woman in the kitchen doing all the work. Who was it? Martha. And of course, we see Martha, uh, she gets frustrated. She's bothered about this, and she felt like she was the only one who could see the need of getting the food together. Ever felt like that? I'm the only one. I've, you know, everybody else, they're out enjoying themselves. They, they could sit there in the lounge chair, but what about me? Some of maybe the, the ladies in our church, you know, making the meal, and everybody's having a great time, but you have to make the meal. Sometimes you enjoy that. I understand that. My wife enjoys food. I, she enjoys making it. I enjoy eating it. We get on really well. But, you know, Martha comes to Jesus and she doesn't complain about all the other guests. She just picks out her sister. You know, you know, when, in, you know, when you're bothered, just blame your sibling, you know. <laughs> so she, she says to Jesus, don't you care, Jesus, that my sister is sitting here and I'm doing all this work? And, of course, um, Jesus uh, responds to Martha and, and, uh, and says, this is the famous words, one thing is needed, one thing, one thing. I want to just talk to you today about the one thing. Last Sunday, I started this two-part series on the one thing. The one, we need to be people of one thing. And so I want to just finish it today. Is that cool? And, uh, and remember, I particularly used Psalm 27 verse 4 because David said, One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said one thing. Jesus says the same thing. Many, 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 many hundreds of years later, he says, you know what? There's one thing, Martha, that was needed. Uh, in actual fact, there's many Bible uh, characters who talk about the one thing. Paul says, there's one thing I do. Uh, pressing forward towards the mark, forgetting those things. So all of it is around this thought of one thing, pressing into Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ, communicating, relating, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, one thing is needed, Martha. One thing. One thing. And it wasn't like Jesus was saying, what you're doing is not appreciated. No, no, no. I'm sure they appreciated Martha preparing a meal. But Jesus says, you know what? 
You're disturbed about many things. You're bothered about many things. One thing is needed. I wonder if you've ever can, can identify with that, uh, whether you today identify with Martha, bothered, buried in things to do, or maybe Mary, calm, collective, you know, uh, and clear-headed. Oh, I can be in both camps sometimes, but I've always realized I've got to come back to one thing. Are you the person of one thing today or the person of many things? I want to talk about the one thing. See, um, we see uh, time with Jesus has incredible eternal value and it cannot be diminished. And maybe Mary knew the reality of that and and maybe she, uh, well, Matthew's gospel wasn't written yet, but Matthew did say in Matthew 4, 4, man cannot or woman cannot live by what alone? Bread, bread alone. So maybe, maybe somewhere in Mary's heart she knew that. I, you know, it's great to have a physical things. It's great to have the, all the things that we have in the material things, but in the end we can't live on that alone. There's got to be something more that, that sustains us. And the Bible talks about that incredible connection we can have with God, with Jesus, of course, in this case. And of course, uh, Jesus. so Jesus says, Mary, you're doing the better thing. You're doing the better thing. And I asked myself the question when Jesus says, um, why Jesus, Mary's doing the better thing. Why is it better? Because serving and preparing a meal is not wrong. It's just that Jesus says, at this moment, Martha, it's a better thing. Mary does a better thing. And I was thinking about it because it's the same reason I discovered that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, he wrote to a church in Corinth, and, he, and he, it's the same reason why Paul said this. He says, sorrow, yet always rejoicing. This is Paul talking about himself. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, are poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things or everything. Isn't that incredible? Paul says, what's Paul saying here? Paul says, you know what? I've got some sorrows in life. And if you read Paul's life, you'll know that he was shipwrecked on a couple of occasions. He was lost at sea. He was whipped on a couple of occasions. He was stoned on a couple of occasions. He knew what to be naked and hungry. And yet he says, you know, in the midst of all that sorrow and pain, you know what? I'm joyful. So what, Paul, what is Paul really saying? What he's really saying is this. His relationship with God, his intimacy with God, um, his, his understanding, his contentment, ruled his inner world. And even though his outer world was in complete chaos, his outer world was completely um, just, uh, it was everywhere. And yet his outer world was not, a, was not affecting his inner world because you know what? He, he knew the person he needed on the inner world was Christ. He says, you know, I'm a person of one thing. Uh, and he said this in scripture in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. In other words, this Christ, this relationship, this Holy Spirit or the presence of God within me is the thing that even though my outer world is in chaos, this relationship builds something of incredible substance and strength in my inner world, and I'm cool. I'm joyful, even though I've got pain. I, even though I'm in need, I'm not going to hassle. I know what it's like. I'm going to have, even though I've had bad things happen, you know what? I'm still at peace in here. I love that. Because Paul's the man of one thing. The one thing of knowing Christ in his life. Knowing have that relationship. And you know, when we're emotionally intimate with God and vulnerable to God, um, uh, that's where he funnels down to us his provision, his power, his comfort, his wisdom, uh, his guidance. 
everything that we need, when we're emotionally intimate with him and connected with him. In other words, when we spend those moments when we just talk to him about life, he, you know, and, and, then, and then take his word and say, God, what are you speaking? You take his truth into our heart. We worship him or we honor him. You know, this morning, were you, uh, were you uh, vulnerable to his presence this morning? Did you hear his heart maybe putting his finger or his, putting his finger on something in your life and saying, you know, this is the area? You know, we've we, we got to listen sometimes. Times. And it only is found that place where the, where the people of one thing will be coming to relationship with him on a daily, hourly basis of Jesus Christ. It makes the big difference, I want to tell you. Everything you need is found in the place where you become emotionally vulnerable and engage with God through the Holy Spirit. Everything for your inner world. And please don't underestimate how important your inner world is. Don't underestimate it. That's the place of your soul. And the soul is the place of your emotional thought, your, 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 your thinking, your logic, your um, choices that you make, everywhere those places. And because your inner world determines how you deal with your outer world. And, and Mary said, she sat at Jesus' feet because maybe she knew that she needed to just spend that time in his presence and just allow her inner world to be better ordered so she could cope with the outer world. But who knows, Martha, her outer world was a little bit of a, she was frustrated, she was angry, she was upset with her younger sister. And, you know, her outer world was a bit of a mess. And so thus, maybe her inner world was the one that wasn't at peace and so she had to let it go. Jesus says, you know, it really is, Mary, Martha, you're bothered about many things just wasn't because Mary wasn't helping her who knows you can be bothered about many things and you come home and you just nail someone in your family but it's just about one thing because you're upset about many things that's a good sign that your inner world needs a little bit of reordering maybe you just need to become the person of one thing and start to spend some time in his presence you need that see that's why that's why David said bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name in other words this Dave was saying in a world start to see you'll never get right unless you engage with this incredible God in relationship you'll never you know you'll never see bless the soul emotions attitudes choices start to bless start to real bless the Lord start to give him honor worship him praise him because I need to have an order in there I need to be the person of one thing. David existed on the reality of his relationship and the one thing that he knew was important was his relationship with God, his communication and commitment to him. So let's give some context to this passage in Luke um, chapter 10 and about Martha. Uh, let's, just, just, let's just look at some things about Martha for a moment and some context and see where it relates to us because the very first thing I see, Martha was present, but she wasn't personal. She was present in the room. She was present in the house with Jesus and the other few folk who were there for the meal. And she was present with her sister Mary. She had Jesus there present, but she wasn't personal. There's a difference, isn't it? We can have our times with God, maybe on the way to work or the last minute at night before we drift off to sleep and you get through every intention of reading those five verses and you get through one verse and bang, you're off to sleep. And, you know, I understand that. You've got to sleep, but maybe you just need to not allow God to be the fit in God in your life. You know what I mean by that? Or God, when i am got time, I'll fit you in. But we need to make God, we, we need to fit in with his law agenda. 
We, we need to give him priority. We need to be the people of one thing. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? You know, there's nothing wrong with having praying on the way to work or praying up before you go to bed. or whatever. But you know, if, if, if all it is is just the extra leftovers, you're never going to give God that quality moments and you're never going to find that your soul is renewed or your heart is, is refreshed and revived. You can't on a diet of that. You've got, to, you've got to spend some quality time. I said last week, what would it be like? What would it, what would it look like for you to actually spend, take one of the hours in the 24-hour period that you're awake every day or you're alive every day, 24 hours, and actually give it to God? What would one hour look like for you? Oh, that would be a possibility. Okay, well, why don't you just work on, instead of the two minutes you got, why don't you work up to 10? And by the end of this year, maybe you'll find, you know, an hour isn't too much just to spend. In his, you know, time in his presence is never wasted. It is eternal, incredible, eternal value. Some people say, well, I don't want to be so heavenly minded of no practical use. Folks, I tell you what, when you get heavenly minded, you become incredibly practical in the way you live your life. Credible. God gives you clear vision, clarity, direction. You know what to do, when to do it. It's because it's in, you become the person of one thing. Martha was present, but she wasn't personal. Um, I've got two little dogs at home. If you've ever, some of you have met them. For some of you, that's a good thing. For some, it's been a bad thing. <laughs> Don't laugh, Marianne. You know the bad things my dogs do. <laughs> And, then, and the reality is, is that they're different. They're about the same size, but they're different. They're similar to some, they're different in other reasons. Z Rosie and Zoe are their names. They're both female. Um, obviously, you wouldn't call a little dog, you know, uh, Rosie or Zoe, who's male. But Zoe is one dog who is just happy if you're around and close. Okay, Zoe is, you know, she'll, she'll take a pat and all this, she'll be nice to, but, it, but the truth is, if, if I'm going away, Zoe knows about it. If I get the suitcase out of the cupboard, she knows about it and she's aware of it because she just doesn't want us to go away and she knows that means something and so she'll hang around because she just, but, but all she is is present. She doesn't get as personal. Uh, and, and the reality is, is that Zoe is a little dog that basically, uh, if you go away, who's going to feed me? That kind of attitude. <laughs> now, Rosie is a little cross um, zizitu with a poodle, and she wouldn't care as long as she can have, hop in your lap and be rubbed and patted. She'd do that all day. She falls asleep. In your, in, in, so she gets personal. She loves to be up close and personal. Now, for a bath for Rosie is like, Bring it on because it's touch. But a bath for Zoe is, it's an inconvenience. <laughs> get me out of here. I, just bath me, get me out of here. As long as you feed me, I don't care. It's, you know, Rosie, oh, touch me. Touch me. <laughs> You've got to touch me. You've got to, and, you know, you should come and want, want this incredible affection because she wants to get personal all the time. If I let her sleep in the bed, she'd do that. We never do that. Never do that. Never. Anyway, some of you do. That's fine. But, I don't, but Rosie would definitely. So, uh, so, we, so we, we see these two dogs with different natures in some ways. But, you know, it reflects the very thing that Ma Mary and Martha were like. You know, Martha was present but not personal. Mary was both personal and present. You know, God wants you. God wants you just not present. He wants you personal. 
He, he wants you to be a little Rosie, just seeking him out. If there's any chance that Rosie could get for me to give her a pat, she'll be there. She'll be present. She'll be not just present, but personal in her communication. Come on, touch me, pat me, rub me. Oh, all about her. But anyway, she's selfish, but we love her anyway. This is what, you know, and sometimes what we do with God, folks, is we're present, but we're not personal because we say to God, you know, just hang around, God, because I might need you for my food sometimes, just my felt needs. You know, just meet my felt needs. And if you do that, I'll, that's fine. But you know what? I think you've got to go a little deeper because there's a God who wants to get personal and not just use him as the spare tire syndrome. You know what I'm saying? He wants you to be personal. And it's because sometimes, even for men here, you've got to get a bit emotional, emotionally vulnerable to God and just tell him about life instead of just saying, you know, God had a good day. Thanks for that. Brilliant. Yep, yep. No problem. Great. Thank oh, done. Off we go. Now, why don't you just tell him? Why don't you just get a bit personal? Women can do it a little bit better than men, I think, sometimes. Nicodemus was a great character in Scripture. You know, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 turned up. John wrote about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the Pharisee. He was a learned um, Pharisee. He was a rich man. He was a, a, you know, he was a prominent man in, in society. And Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, you can have all types of theories why he came at night. But let me just suppose this one is that maybe Nicodemus came at night because he didn't want anybody else to see him connecting with Jesus. I don't know. There can be other reasons, but let's go with that one. Is that a cure? And Nicodemus is, is connecting and talking to Jesus, and that's the famous John chapter 3 where Jesus says you must be born again, and Nicodemus is grappling with that thought. And Nicodemus, at that moment, we, we don't see Nicodemus actually respond to Jesus except for just the communication. He walks away thinking about all that. But if you go um, some 16 chapters, um, chapters later, and you come to chapter 19 of John, guess who was there along, um, along with Joseph? It was Nicodemus to take the body from the cross and wrap it in embalmment and prepare Jesus' body for the grave. Very public demonstration of his commitment to Jesus. Something happened in 16 chapters. He was just present in, in, in chapter 3, but now he's personal in chapter 19. I think, I think, Joseph, I think Nicodemus became the person of one thing that he started to actually believe and worship this God. And I don't know what happened to Nicodemus, whether they crucified him originally or he was martyred for his faith. Maybe history will tell us something if I looked into it, but I know Nicodemus stood up for Jesus. He took the body and tenderly with Joseph and he, he prepared it for burial. Public demonstration of a personal commitment to Jesus. So we see we can be present but not personal. Here's another thing about Martha. Martha hosted Jesus but didn't dwell with Jesus? Isn't it interesting? We can welcome, she welcomed Jesus into the house, but she wasn't the person to sit at Jesus' feet. She just basically, you know, who welcomes a person and says, oh, well, you know, do something, enjoy life, I'm just going to, I'm busy. We don't usually do that. And I mentioned this last week, but, you know, usually we welcome them in because we want to spend time with them. But, see, Martha was a great host, but a very poor, um, a very per a poor person. She didn't dwell. And the word dwell means to remain. It means to stay. It means to sit down in a quiet place. It means to just be present, you know, and personal. Um, so it kind of goes off the first point, but dwell means to just Keep that in your mind, to remain and stay. Um, Michelle and I, Michelle's my wife, if you didn't know. Well, she is now, um, um, which is good. She's stayed that way, which is great. Um, Michelle and I would sit 
at the dining room table uh, before we had children um, and, and before a lot of things, and, um, and we'd have a meal together and we'd have a conversation and might even play a game of, you know, or we'd just have some fun, do some things together. And, and, and at about 10 o'clock, I don't know exactly, I can't remember all the details of what would happen those nights, but maybe about 10 o'clock, um, we'd look at each other and one of us would say, it's time, isn't it? And so one of us would say, the other would say, yes, it's time. And so we'd rise from the table together and we'd walk down the hallway together. And we'd, um, and we'd go to the front door, and the little tradition was that we'd have a quick little prayer together. And I'd go through the front door, down the stairs, jump in my car and go home to my bedroom. And she'd go back down the hallway into her bedroom, and that was the end of it. But there came a time, hallelujah, <laughs> where we'd sit at the dining room table, and we'd communicate and talk and share together and have some fun, and maybe play a game of you know. And 10 o'clock would come around, around that time, and we'd look at each other, and one of us would say, it's time. And the other would say, yeah, it is. It's getting late. And so we'd rise from the table, we'd walk down the hallway, and instead of diverting to the left front door, we'd divert to the right into the bedroom. You know, that's all as far as the story's going to go, right here. I can tell you right there. But why were we allowed to go to the bedroom instead of the front door? It's because now we stood right here and we committed our life to each other. And I want to tell you, commitment builds intimacy. And maybe, maybe the reality is, is that you're here today, but you've never really, you know, Jesus, you've never built something of a commitment. And so you're never really going to get close to Jesus. It always starts with a heartfelt bang. I've got to make a res- I really need to get my, this whole thing sorted out. Am I for him or against him? Do I believe in him or not? And it all starts with commitment. And as you're committed, and you can even be a Christian and not committed to him, but you know, when you make a commitment and you sign on the dotted line and say, you know, I'm committed, then you know what? You can go into the bedroom and intimacy always proceeds commitment. And when we have commitment, intimacy happens. You see, and the word dwell means to stay because there came a time when I didn't have to go home, but I could stay right there with Michelle. Isn't that a good time? I could dwell with her because there was a commitment and a heartfelt response to her all the time and her to me as well. And so we've got to understand that. And that's what it means to stay. No longer did I need to go home. I could stay and remain and sit in her presence and her and me, and intimacy followed. So, you know, where are we at today? Because um, I think Martha, she didn't dwell, she just hosted really well. And we need hosts. But we need people, and Jesus would say, or God would say, would you just dwell with me? Would you just remain? Would you just sit sometimes in that portion of the day? There's nothing wrong with all the other things that you have to do. They're important, but the reality is you need to sit first. You need to sit. You need to well, remain and dwell with me. I've discovered God doesn't want an occasional visit. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to restore what he had in the garden with Adam and Eve. And when he walked and talked with them, he wants to revive that. He wants to refresh you. Do you know what? I need refreshing, reviving, and restoring every 24 hours because I've discovered his mercies are new, not just every year, but they're new every morning. As soon as that sun comes up, it needs to, you see that sun, and you know what you need to say? That's a sign of God's mercy to me today. 
And you need to just drill down into that and say, Father, I need your mercy because I need his mercy every day. Oh, folks, if you think that you're perfect, I think you just need to think again because we, we need to draw near to him. It's not like we bash ourselves up, but we need to understand that his grace and, and forgiveness and mercies are you every day. And I think we humbly need to bow before him every day and, just say, and connect with him and say, Father, today I need you again. And it's not about having, not having a confidence well, I'm just a terrible worm. No, no, no. It's having a confidence that he's a forgiving God and we're a receiving person and we can know his grace and love and mercy. And that sets you on a wonderful course for the day sometimes because you know it's not about you. It's about him living through you in that day. It's a good God we serve. Because all because we need to dwell. Because intimacy precedes commitment to him, commitment to serve him. See, it says in Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. His commitment back to us is incredible. He will protect us, look after us, care for us, guide us, uh, wonderful things. Let's go to the last one. Last thought regards to Mary. Mary, and I've, I've mentioned it already, kind of hinted on it. Mary served him, but she didn't sit with him. Mary served him, but she didn't sit with him. Serving Jesus and sitting with Jesus are not diametrically opposed. They are good and they're important. It's just that Martha has allowed the distraction of what she sees as urgent to overtake her. Do you know we can get so distracted by the urgent that we forget the, the important things to do? Hey? Happens in life, doesn't it? Get just so distracted by the urgent that you forget the important things. There's a difference. Sometimes the urgent can just wait because you need to do the important things. And I would suggest to you this morning, family, that the most important thing that you can do is sit with him um, before you serve him. Because sometimes we get so burnt out with serving, 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 serving. And, and someone may say, well, would you come and help us at church do this and that? You say, no, I'm too busy. I'm too... You're so burnt out. But if only you would sit that you would then find joy in serving. If we would sit in his presence and find a, realize that, revitalize and refresh ourselves um, again and get a, you know, a yearning and a hunger for him, you'd know that then serving becomes a joy as well and not a, a chore or a thing. I've found that it, it, it's in giving time to God and intimacy with him that emotional connection and then the practical ability flows out of that. A practical desire to just serve and to love and to help people and to care for people. And to, you know. But the, the commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's, there's an order there to love him, to sit with his presence. Mary sat, Martha served. Both are very important. But I want to tell you, one's, one's what you need to do first. You need to just sit. You need to quiet your spirit sometimes. You just need to say, ah. and not turn on the telly. Leave it off and take those moments just to contemplate, to consider. Allow his presence and his name just to be on your lips. And for a moment, worship him and exalt him and become emotionally vulnerable to him and just allow him to be God in your life. Where do you stand with that today? Some of us love serving. That's important. Serving is great. But don't we just need to sit sometimes? We need to sit first. 
I was just writing some thoughts this week about why do I need to sit with Jesus in intimacy and relationship before I do anything else? Why do I need to? Because, this is number one, because your service to him will only last and be significant when we sit with him first. It says in John 15, 5, for without me, you, Jesus says, for without me you can do what? Nothing. Isn't that interesting? For without me you can do nothing. Doesn't that speak of the reality of just his pr- presence first before we serve? Because when we serve, then we can have his presence with us. Why do we need to sit with inti- in, in intimacy with Christ? Because we all have had bad days. And I found, even though it's a bad day, there's some diamonds in it, if we would just look. But you can only see those diamonds sometimes when you know the one who has, sees diamonds in the worst of his days, and that's Jesus Christ. In the worst of his day, when they nailed him to a cross, he actually said this, I could see some diamonds. For the joy that is set before me, I've endured the cross. What joy was he talking about? He was going to sit with his father. The joy of knowing that humanity could be forgiven for their sin because of his sacrifice. For the joy, for the, he found a diamond in the most cruelest of days when they flogged him and whipped him and pulled his beard and nailed him to a cross and he died. And yet he could find a diamond. I tell you what, in your bad day, you need to know the God who finds diamonds in bad days. You need that that relationship. Because you'll have your bad days, and he's the one that can talk you through it. He says the word joy there for the joy that we're set means calm delight. Have you got some calm delight? Why do we need to have an intimate relationship and sit in his presence? Because your soul is the most precious part of your life. And your soul finds health in the presence of God. Because Psalm 23 says, He restores my soul, David said in that wonderful psalm. He leads, my, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores. To restore is to revive, is to refresh. It's to give vigor to again. In other words, this inner part of me, this emotional part that feels worn and torn and worried and anxiety, his presence, his refreshes that. That's why we need it. I tell you, that's why we need his presence and sit there. He restores my soul. The most precious part of you is your inner world. No matter how much attention you give to your outer world, go for it. Look great. Do what you do. Dress nicely. All those things. But folks, if you gave the same attention to your inner world as you do to your outer, would you be a better person? I think so. The last thing that I find is why we need to intimately sit with him because your soul is healthy. When your soul is healthy, your whole life will be healthy. 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you might prosper in all things and be in health just as you want. Your soul prospers. As my inner person prospers, it says, you know what? I'm going to find that all else can prosper as well, not the other way around. Can we just stand today? And uh, we're going to worship this one last song. I want to just for a moment contemplate contemplate the reality of where Jesus would stand with us today. I know that he, we haven't got the Jesus of the New Testament. We haven't got a physical Jesus. And, and, and that, can be, that can be a bit of a struggle sometimes. But, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. He has not left us without his presence. 
The Holy Spirit's right here in this place today. He's been here all day because you brought him to some level. You brought him with you. He's present. He dwells within the temple, which is not a physical building, but the temple of the human body in our hearts. And today, as you open your heart, you can have more of his Holy Spirit. You can actually get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can have more of his presence, more of the gifts speaking in tongues and the gifts of uh, of the knowledge that was even showed this morning and his presence in your life. You can have that, but it depends on your, your ability to be, first of all, committed to want that. Second, to be willing to sit or dwell in his presence. To be willing to just spend that time. And some of us struggle because we're so busy, busy, busy. But the reason for our busyness is just to make up for the fact that we don't like to be bored and doing nothing. And so we keep ourselves so busy, so consumed. And Jesus says, would you just stop for a moment? Because I can't speak to you. Well, I do speak, but you're not listening. I want to tell you some incredible things if you just sit and remain. So, Father, I, I... Let me just pray today. Father, I just pray we would be people that would just realize that, Father, we need some time out. Not time out from the life of the world because really when we spend time with you, you give us life so much better. But just the time out from the busyness and the distractions. Help us to be the people of the one thing, Father. Um, the one thing that would be that connection with you. And when we have that connection with you, Lord, I know my marriage goes so much better. I know that my relationships go so much better. I know that life goes so much better. And we would acknowledge today that we need that. Help us to be the people of one thing. Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. As we would open our hearts, let every heart here just be hungry again afresh. Come on, can we just sing this song and open our hearts one more time? Thank you, Lord.